Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And in Screen Verdicts Cross-Continental Podcasting Part 2, we're going to be reviewing Season 3 of Game of Thrones. Yes, we are, and we're pretty excited for it. Yeah, we're excited for Game of Thrones. I think historically our Game of Thrones podcasts have been some of the most popular, so hopefully you're excited for Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, they're up there with our Homeland ones. <laughs> Maybe they'll meet head-to-head at the Emmys this year. We'll see. I hope, hopefully. We, wa- we want to make very clear that there will be spoilers in this podcast. No getting mad with us. Um, <laughs> we are talking about the Red Wedding, whatever that is. <laughs> to, uh, to everyone knows that the Red, red is the yeah. red, red is the theme of the wedding. Yeah. If you have been able to avoid uh, the Red Wedding and what that is and what happens in that, well, then hats off to you because it was all over the internet for like a good week or two. I'm surprised the internet did not break with how (laughs) mental everyone was going about the Red Wedding. But, uh, you know, keep keep a spoiler free. Turn off now because we are going to be talking about it and everything else this season. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. The Red Wedding! That's where we're going to start with that. That's what we're going to talk about. Oh my gosh, it was crazy! (laughs) I I just think, I'm disappointed. I I think people are probably disappointed that we didn't do our commentary on episode 9 like we did for episode 1. The only thing that could have made uh, the Red Wedding more intense was our play-by-play commentary. If you'd have done the same thing where you watched the episode and then stopped with 10 minutes to go and then we got your live reactions <laughs> on the ending, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah, it would have been good. Now, I remember wow. in the, the first season, there were some jaw-dropping moments, things you didn't really see. Like, I didn't, ex- like, I didn't think Carl Drogo was going to die and I certainly didn't think Ned Stark was going to die. And someone who had read the books, said to me the whole series was like that. You you can never predict, like, who is going to survive. In season two, uh, I guess you had Renly dying, but... That was pretty shocking. But nothing really as huge as in season one. Season three, it was kind of going along, going along, and I guess you sort of get lulled into that false sense of security of me thinking I know who is going to survive or not survive, and then, bam, you just have, like, a whole army, just, like, a whole a king, a whole eighth of the show just gets murdered within about two minutes. I definitely was a bit surprised by this. Someone had spoiled to me that Rob Stark was dying Aww. at some point. Um, I didn't know when. I didn't know how. But, yeah, it was a uh, – I'll, I'll give you the story. I was at a party, and I was talking with someone about Game of Thrones, and they're like, I've read the books, and I'm like, well, you can talk about it. You just can't talk past book two, because all I've seen are the first two seasons of the show. And this is where he goes, oh, okay, so you're up to the bit where Rob Stark dies, right? (laughs) How is that the thing to test on? (laughs) It's halfway through book three. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm not up to that bit yet. Surely you test with something that if you haven't seen, you don't mind being spoiled. Like, something entirely, like, meaningless. 
like oh like oh did like sam forget to release the ravens or something <laughs> like yeah not um, is rob stark dead yeah anyway i so i wasn't that shocked about rob stark dying obviously but i was pretty shocked with uh how how they just killed off the whole storyline cuz i had just assumed that when rob stark died it would be caitlin stark picking up the pieces or at least he'd survive long enough for Rickon Stark to have grown up to be a real contender in the Game of Thrones, to take oh, over as King of the North. Really, Rickon Stark, the, the game has to be looking a bit better for him now <laughs> in his sort of line of succession. Because uh, now with Rob Stark gone, he, he's looking, uh, he, he's, his position is only moving up in the succession, right? Like, <laughs> And we've got Bran going north of the wall. Like, this could not end... This could possibly not end well for Bran. <laughs> and then he's the oldest Stark boy. You know, our prediction of Rickon uh, maybe uh, being the king at some point uh, is only looking looking better now. <laughs> now, a lot of people were upset with the Red Wedding. I saw a lot of people I... saying Game of Thrones made me feel sick, it made me feel depressed, made me feel anxious. I can't believe what I just saw. I was super surprised, but to be honest, I wasn't sure how much I cared. <laughs> yep. Because Rob Stark, right? Rob Stark kind of seems like a good guy. But yeah. his scenes are so boring. They're definitely the most low-budget scenes of the whole show. It's just him always in a tent talking either military strategy or just talking to that wife of his. It's like, nah, we, we, we used all the CGI budget on Daenerys' dragons. Like, you've just got to be in a tent the whole season. Uh, and then finally, where he had the, oh, maybe if we attack over here, we just need Frey's army. You're like, oh, Rob's finally doing something. Uh, that didn't quite go to plan. But I guess, aside from that, like, Rob hadn't really entertained me this season. So... And Caitlin's always been a bit annoying. So, in a way, I was surprised, but not that sad to see them go. Yeah, I, I was more sad for the effect this would have on Arya mm. than the actual sadness for the, those characters not being on the show. Those characters not being on the show is, is going to be um, nothing but an asset to the series because they were boring. <laughs> they weren't really doing anything that interesting. I think the problem, the reason people are so upset was, I guess Rob Star, he's, he's a good-looking guy. I think the, the, some girls are upset to be losing him on the show. But I also think um, he was a good man. He'd be a good king. I think after the whole Ned Stark uh, uh, incident, uh, people were hoping, were expecting Rob to get vengeance on the Lannisters to um, be the instrument of justice for the series, and uh, clearly uh, not going to be the case anymore. <laughs> but here's, here's one thing with the response that I thought was uh, like a very interesting. Uh, we had uh, two years ago on the show, Ned Stark get beheaded. And I remember a lot of people going, how can they do that? How can they kill the lead? No show would do that in the first season of its run. This is uh, shocking. I, I don't know if I want to watch the show about <laughs> Ned Stark anymore. Boy, this really shows you that they'll do anything on this show. <laughs> when people, like, I was, I, when they stabbed the baby, 
I was shocked and and jarred by that. The the, the, the unborn baby. I was like, what? Oh my gosh! When they slit Caitlin's throat at the very end, I was shocked. When I guess I knew Rob Stark was dying, but even I was shocked by that whole scene as a TV scene and as what it meant for the series. But like, I was not really like this show has betrayed me. I feel like they foreshadowed they'd be making moves like this in season one. <laughs> I don't think the show betrayed you by killing off someone important. I guess it's maybe the fact that you feel like that time was wasted then. Yeah. Like, all those boring scenes with Rob Stark in the tent didn't actually amount to a good battle in the end. They amounted to nothing, and therefore they weren't even justified having those boring scenes there in the first place. Yeah, like, not really a a red wedding following a whole bunch of red herrings, I guess. (laughs) Let's let's now just quickly talk about where did Rob Stark go wrong? Like, um... Was this poor strategy on his part in the game, or was he just unlucky? I always thought that going back on his promise to marry one of the Frey girls was going to come back to bite him in the butt. Obviously not to this extent. So I think you could you could argue that was a mistake. I don't know how much of what went down was because of that, or because... He had his bannerman betray him. That guy was sort of allied, I forget his name, but to the Lannisters, and he sort of set that whole thing up. So I don't know how much Rob could have predicted that guy betraying him. That You could call that unlucky. Could you argue, though, that if Rob Stark had married Walter Frey's daughter, there would have been no way Walter Frey stabs Rob Stark in the back? Uh, I think you'd have a strong argument there. Yeah, this is just awful gameplay by Rob Stark in <laughs> mind. Like, this is just, I think this is perhaps one of the worst games like we've seen played in the Game of Thrones. <laughs> so going back on this deal, um, it clearly sunk his, sunk his battleship. And But the real, like, the thing that is so absurd, he stabbed Walter Frey in the back by going back on his word, right? To get Walter, he then needs Walter Frey's army to beat the Lannisters. So he goes, to, so he goes down to ask them for troops. And the deal was, if your uncle marries one of our daughters, then it's all good, all's forgiven. We'll give you all our troops. We can fight the Lannisters. Like, how good a deal is that compared to the original deal Walter Frey gave, where <laughs> in order just to cross his bridge, Rob Stark, Rob Stark had to promise himself to get married, had to promise Arya to get married. I, I feel like there was something else that was part of that deal as well. Like, you know, this was such a better deal for something so much better. It was way, on the back of Rob Stark betraying him, this was too good to be true. It was clearly a trap. <laughs> it clearly, now I wasn't expecting it to be this bad, but it was clearly all going to go wrong. Rob St- <laughs> like, how is this ever going to how, and then he brings his wife with him to the Frey's house. So putting her, not, no, but put aside putting her in danger. And then he's just like uh, acting so coupley with her around Walter Frey. Like that's so poor diplomacy. Walter Frey's obviously a little sore that uh, Rob <laughs> Stark isn't marrying one of his daughters. So he brings his girlfriend. It, it's the same as if like um, I, I rejected a girl 
and then like she she throws a birthday party and I come to a birthday party I bring uh, the girl I'm now going out with and I'm just like hanging out with her all night making out with her a little bit holding <laughs> hands through the whole evening right in front of this girl like it's just and this so, is this is a mistake you've made before, Matt. Like you, you've you've learned that this is definitely the bad way to go. Oh yeah, you should. Yes, for sure. Like, <laughs> I, I, like I, you could only feel sorry for Rob Stark to a certain extent. Like this was if once he decided to marry that Talita girl or whatever her name is, Talissa. Once he decided, you cannot rely on Walter Frey for anything. Like if you need the Walter Frey to beat the uh, uh, beat the Lannisters, you've made your own bet because you cannot go to that well. Like, <laughs> I, I just was appalled with these strategic decisions. Uh, now, someone that shows up for the Red Wedding is Arya. Mm. Yeah, some people say you shouldn't take kids to weddings. There's a lot of drinking and debauchery and all sorts <laughs> of things like that. Sometimes your whole family gets murdered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Poor girl who had to watch her father be beheaded. Now has to see her uh, uh, brother come out on a horse with a wolf head stuck onto him. <laughs> yeah, very sad. Poor Arya. How do you feel about her? Well, we like Arya. I think we said we'd even like to see her perhaps on the throne one day. Mm. But I guess this season she's just been sort of traveling around. Like, last season ended with that weird magic face-changing guy that assassinated people. And I thought that was a kind of cool storyline. But then Arya never meets him again. Mm. I thought that was a bit disappointing. I was hoping... I'm sure that will go somewhere, but I was hoping to see it this season. And instead, she's just going around to those band of thieves or whatever they are, and now she's with the hounds. The Brotherhood Without Banners. The Brotherhood Without <laughs> Banners, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, men in tights. Uh, and now she's with the hound. I guess I've liked some of the scenes with the hound. That it's like she hates him, uh, but he just kind of puts up with her with this sort of tongue-in-cheek sense of humour. So I guess I've been a little bit disappointed with her storyline, but for her to show up at that moment uh, was pretty, pretty... Heart-wrenching. You thought she'd get to see her mum again. As frustrating as I found a lot of the strategic decisions of Caitlin Stark and as, like, sort of boring I found Rob Stark, you sort of wanted to see her reunite with her family. And to get so close and miss out it is just, you know, it was heart-wrenching. You you might have seen this, Matt. I think you might like it. It's never really funny to describe memes, but I'm going to describe a meme yeah. I saw for you. This is a good one. <laughs> there is a picture of each members of the Stark family with their own tile, and on each tile it has a word, and it goes, we are never, ever getting back together. <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, that, that's a great one. I love that. I know you're a Taylor Swift and Game of Thrones fan, Matt, so it would have been perfect. Yeah. Meme combo for you. Uh, uh, maybe I'll make a video, a video, a music video with that song to clips <laughs> at the start. That'd be fun. Um, yeah, poor, poor Aria. Uh, but, oh, oh, firstly, her and the Hound. Do you feel like this is going to really hash the Jamie Lannister, uh, Brienne storyline? Two people who sort of hate each other on the road. One's got the other one, like, as a prisoner. 
uh, and they end up becoming best friends. Yeah, I felt like I'd seen this before in Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> I've seen it before in Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but I, I like it. I, like, I thought it was good with Jamie, and I think it would be fun with Arya and, uh, and the Hound. So I don't mind if that's where they go with yeah, their last scene was quite good where she murders that uh, soldier, which is quite a brutal moment, and then the hound comes in. It's like, where'd you get that knife? It's yours. Well, next time you're going to do something like that, tell me first. Like, it was just quite a funny contrast between that dark moment and then the humour right after. A year of first for that family. Arya, uh, first, uh, Arya's first kill. Uh, Jon Snow's first... Uh, the sex and uh, Rob Stark's first assassination. <laughs> you never forget your first. <laughs> so let's maybe move on from the Starks. Yes. Uh, let's head over to King's Landing. Yep. Um, Everything's interesting in King's Landing. You've got everyone's favourite king, Joffrey. Yep. Cause he I, I, this is the first season I've, like, enjoyed Joffrey. And maybe it's because we saw less of him. <laughs> but he's so douchey, I'm finding it entertaining now. In the first season, we had a change of king. And yeah. with, you know, the whole talk of the game, Game of Thrones, we thought, oh, is there going to be a throne change each season? That might get a bit too predictable. Well, Joffrey's lasted two seasons. So he's going yeah. all right. I'm not sure if he's going anywhere anytime soon either. Uh, they seem to be getting stronger now that they've teamed up with the Tyrells. Joffrey's about to marry Marjorie. Yes. Um, who I think is playing a pretty good game. I think she's playing a great game. I just would like to know her end game. Is her becoming queen it? Like, what does she really get from becoming queen? And if she doesn't really like Joffrey and the plan is to get rid of Joffrey somehow, where will that leave her? Like, who who could she be She be queen and king with? Like, is she just going to get moved out if Joffrey gets moved out? Yeah, how does this, en- how does this end for her? Well, or does she just want to rule with Joffrey? But, yeah, I... I like, it, it seems like we're trying to marry Sansa to her brother... Uh, that was trying to shore up the North. It could be the figure that reconciles the North and the South. And I know that it would involve, like, you know, the Tyrells in the North and the Star- uh, the Tyrells in the South, the Starks in the North teaming up in some way. But I'm not sure if that's exactly where she was going with it. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see. But here's the great thing about her is the Tyrells. And, and her- how great was her grandma? <laughs> she is funny. <laughs> It was very good. Here's the thing with uh, them is they have a really, uh, and I think it's not just all strategy. I think they are uh, probably have some, um, there's some sincerity there, but they're really good at, they have the money and they have sort of the political strategy, but they also know how to appeal to the public. Like there's that scene where Marjorie, uh, obviously is at the orphanage that we talked about in episode one, but there's also the scene where like she goes to Joffrey, no, you've got to come out and, and see your people. And, and, you know, give them a smile, give them a wave, like, you know, have them build a relationship with you. And that was, like, she understands also how to keep the public honest. Because when things turn, the public are going to be the quickest to 
you know, jump off the ship. They're not the ones living in fancy castles and eating nice meals. Like, you know, in some ways it's a bit academic to them if he sits on the throne. So they've got really good um, PR, the Tyrells. Uh, in some ways I agree. In some ways I, I think, though, is it really that clever or are the Lannisters just that ignorant? Because the Lannisters <laughs> just are just so obviously evil. They're just like, the way to keep the people in check is with fear and poverty and cruelty. And they wonder why, you know, people throw, like, mud and crap at them, like, in the streets. And then all Marjorie does is, you know, go outside and wave and smile. And they love her. It's like, yeah, yeah, how hard is that to pick up on? Do you want to say, I was thinking the other day, yeah, that's a very good point. I was thinking the other day that I feel like, uh, the Tyrells might might have an ace in the hole just their symbol being a flower, uh, their house sigil being a flower. I feel like, you know, dragons, lions, wolves, like, you know, these are quite threatening. Are people underestimating the Tyrells just, oh, they're the flower house. They're not going to win anything. <laughs> I, I love the scene where she walks in and Joffrey's holding the bow and arrow at her and he pretty much, this is pretty much how the scene goes down. He goes, why did you marry Renly? He wanted to kill me. You are an evil person. I hate you. Why shouldn't I just kill you right now? Then she goes, oh, I love killing things. Oh, isn't killing things great? Oh, you like killing things too? Oh, maybe we can kill stuff together. You want me to show you how to use it? Like she just played him like a fiddle. She didn't flinch, not not for a second with that uh, bow pointed at her. She's uh, steady under pressure. Yeah, she yeah she knows how to handle her arrows. So, uh, what else happened? Well, I guess in King's Landing we had um, a wedding there as well. We had the the Sansa uh, Tyrion wedding, which at first I thought this was the red wedding <laughs> because. Um, the Lannister, it's a Lannister wedding, and the Lannister's colour is red, and Sansa has red hair. I thought there was a lot of red going on in this wedding. <laughs> uh, so I thought, oh, this is the red wedding. And afterwards, I was, I was a little disappointed. I thought, oh, wasn't that much of a game changer? <laughs> I sort of like this because, oh, I don't know. Tyrion, obviously, one of the best characters on the show. I think in the first season... He was kind of just doing his own thing, getting in trouble, getting drunk all the time, just being witty and outrageous. Second season, there was a bit more responsibility on him, and he actually did a lot of work in protecting King's Landing. Season three, he's kind of just moped around that, you know, his Tywin, his dad, doesn't like him. He's not really able to be with his uh, girlfriend. Like, Tyrion's been a bit less entertaining this season. Yes. And Sansa, basically nothing ever goes well for Sansa. And although she doesn't want to get married to Tyrion at first, she's like, oh, he's the imp, he's a Lannister, he's got the scar on his face. Even though she didn't want to, I actually thought Tyrion is probably comparatively pretty good. Like, he's he's going to be better than pretty much anyone else you could ally yourself with in King's Landing, Sansa. She was pretty much, she was so excited to marry Joffrey uh, a season or two ago. I don't know if she can be too upset about ending up with Tyrion. <laughs> um, well, okay, well, there were obviously three potential 
uh, uh, husbands for Sansa this season. Littlefinger, Tyrion, and Loras Tyrell. Uh, which one do you think would have been the better person for her to marry? Well, I think Littlefinger's a great game player. Like, if your aim is to climb the ladder, so to speak, I think Littlefinger's a good person to tie yourself in with. In terms of... Could that go wrong? Yes. I, I feel like Littlefinger would murder you or give you up in a heartbeat if that would uh, advantage him in any yeah. way. So that's that's risky. Loras Terrell, I think, is less likely to get Sansa killed, but is probably not going to make her happy. He likes men, so he could be a good friend, a good person to fund her lifestyle, keep her safe, but not really a good partner. And Tyrion, while a Lannister and a little person, I think would be the most likely to make Sansa happy. So I think of the three, she's probably got the best one. I probably would have gone Loras. Not that Sansa got to choose here, because I think she would have chosen Loras as well. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think, yeah, definitely him being gay is a negative. Uh, I'm not... That's not homophobic. (laughs) Like... As a woman, <laughs> I would imagine being married to a gay person would be a negative. Um, a, a gay man would be a negative. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I feel like uh, you're in good with the Tyrells then. They seem like not only uh, a fairly smart house at playing the game, but a sort of, at le- I think there's at least a bit more of a, mo- they're a bit nicer than the Lannisters. <laughs> they're not sure that that could all be fake, but I, I think there might be some of that there. Then you, then you might become better. Like you, you then BFFs with uh, uh, Marjorie also. I feel like I feel like the Tyrells, the house I'd want to be sort of a game with, not sort of the Lannister that like Tywin like, is always just making jokes about. Now speaking of the Lannisters, Jamie Lannister had a lot to do this yeah. season. Yes. People were loving Jamie Lannister this season. So Brienne's supposed to be bringing him back to King's Landing. And they get taken hostage. And it seems like Jamie's silver tongue saves Brienne from getting assaulted, but it cost him his hand. He got Buster Blute. <laughs> So I guess they form this kind of unlikely friendship. He rescues her from the bear. Um, yes. <laughs> and they try and make their way back to King's Landing. I guess the big scene for them is the scene in the, I guess, hot tub, sauna type room. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really into either of them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> where Jamie reveals this sort of secret about the king, because he, he's referred to as the Kingslayer. Yeah. And that's considered, I guess, not a noble thing, where the king was basically mad, had, what is it, dragon fire under everyone's homes. It was basically just going to burn the place to the ground. Yeah. I didn't think that was really much of a reveal. Like, I didn't... Care that didn't really cha- make me change my opinion on Jamie Lannister. I still think Jamie Lannister's not a particularly good guy because he's sleeping with his sister, who is definitely evil. Like Cersei is evil. No one likes Cersei. 
He pushed Bran out of building. He tried to kill a kid. Yeah. Well, I I talked to uh, I talked to Nikolai Costawaldo, who plays Jamie Lannister. Say that three times uh, fast, Matt. Nikolai Costawaldo, Nikolai Costawaldo. I, I can't. I can't. No, you did the but, first two so well. I thought you were going to yeah, do it. And then I, I, I was losing it on the second, and I, I knew I would get the third. So anyway, um, I spoke to him because I knew you had a concern about this, Jonathan. And I asked him, do you think it's interesting that like uh, a character that was sort of uh, not really liked in season one at all has become one of the more likable characters on the show? And he said, it's all where you start the story. So, so he goes, imagine if the Game of Thrones had started a, a year, a couple of years before it actually starts. And it's the story of a love story between Jamie and Cersei. <laughs> and uh, they have this impossible love and they can't be together. And uh, they finally, they come together, those two. And they can, uh, they can, this, this couple that for all these reasons have been forced apart and they can e- express their true love for one another. And they're finally doing this. And then a little kid, a little jerky kid climbs up He's spying on you. He's looking at you. So you you make that decision for your love for this woman. That doesn't, that was a I don't know. I I don't buy that. I don't think that changes anything. You can't even if you're in love with this person, even if it's a great love story. Like let's say it's the greatest love story ever told. It's Wally. All right. He yeah. he is Wally, and Cersei is Eva. And at the end of the movie, they finally get together. And then some little kid tries to ruin it. You still can't push the kid out the window. Well, he says we all make bad decisions. Uh, we all we all do the wrong thing. And um, you know, it just so happened that Game of Thrones started on the day he made his horrible decision. Well, what I also thought was weird about this was wasn't that king sort of known to kind of be bad anyway? Like, he, he's referred to as the Mad King. I didn't think anyone really judged Jamie for being the Kingslayer in the first place. Like, I never disliked Jamie for being a Kingslayer. I disliked Jamie for yeah. being a douche. So this big reveal didn't change my opinion on Jamie at all. I think the big thing about this, I don't think it's necessarily a big reveal. It just, like, took back the curtain on his character bit. I think the thing that it really showed was how he was torn between his the oath he had sworn to the king he was meant to protect and his family loyalty. And it's that, that scene where he expressed the, the great grief. And, and I guess it expressed how hard it was for him to kill the king and how that was something difficult for him. So do you think he can be Hand of the King anyway? <laughs> can, can he get the Hand of the King position? <laughs> I feel like um, that's I mean, quite likely. I actually think that will come up in the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I hope he does become a uh, hand of the king because I'm sure Tyrion will have a couple of quips <laughs> if he can get over his sort of like you know depression. <laughs> um, Where do we want to move now? Okay, well we got Daenerys is the mother of dragons. Did this season we discover someone who's the father of a dragon? Uh, this season we met Stannis Baratheon's daughter. Oh. Um, <laughs> what's on her face? Yeah, it does look like 
reptile skin. Yeah. Yeah. Do we I, like? Do we like where they went with status this season? Well, they didn't really explain that with the daughter at all. I guess that will be revealed no. in time. Uh I don't know. Stannis is pretty unlikable. He never really does or says anything clever or interesting. He's just completely a puppet being controlled by the yeah. Red Witch. Yeah. You know, if there's someone that you know thinks he's going to be the future king, he has very little power, no balls. Um, yeah. Even though I actually think he has a pretty good claim to the throne. You know, I, I'd have to brush up on my Seven Kingdoms regal law. But as Robert Baratheon's oldest male sibling, doesn't he have the best claim to the throne? I think uh, Stannis and Daenerys would be the two that would, would have an argument for the Because best Joffrey's, Joffrey's not his real son. And I, yeah. I, yeah, I guess it's whether, like, you, you consider that the Mad King deserved to still be king, and therefore it should be Daenerys, yeah. or if not, should be Stannis. It's whether you go Targaryen or Baratheon line. Yeah, got to be honest, not rooting for Baratheon. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 uh, that Mad King may have not seem like such a bad idea when you're lining him up with Joffrey and uh, Stannis Baratheon. I do like the Red Witch from. An entertainment value. I think, like, the things like the Black Monster and the God of Fire and that guy that can come back to life and she's making all these kind of prayers and stuff with the leeches uh, of that <laughs> poor kid. Like, that's all very interesting. I want to see where that goes. But ultimately, I don't want that side to win. No. And you, you hear Stannis talking a lot about, like, well, we, we need to kill, like, some men to... to, to you know, we need to make a few moral compromises in order to do what's best for the most people. You know, I'm going to be a good king that's going to, like, whatever. Yada, yada, yada. Look around, Stannis. You're in, like, the most evil lair of like, <laughs> on, on TV. You're the bad guy. You're a bad guy. <laughs> good guys don't plot in lairs like that. <laughs> And that Devos guy, or whatever his name is, he uh, sort of is, is at heads with Stannis and the witch and sort of gets sent to the dungeon. Do you reckon his move was just, I'm getting on a boat, I'm going across the narrow sea, I'm joining Daenerys's A-team. I feel like this is where this guy could be headed. I don't know. I think he seems to like Stannis so much. Yeah. He's a very loyal friend because... Yeah. He puts him in the dungeon repeatedly, ignores everything yeah. he says, tries to kill him, but, you know, he seems to still have Stannis' back. But yeah, the, the, do you think... Okay, the leeches. The witch put in a leech for the three other kings that are still alive. Rob Stark, Joffrey Baratheon, and uh, Balin Greyjoy. Next episode, Rob Stark uh, has the whole Red Wedding uh, debacle. Was that coincidence? Or did the leech play a role? <laughs> well, this god or magic or whatever they believe in has, has proven it's proved itself before. There's definitely something to it. Uh, in this case, could have just been coincidence. I'm going to say that all three of those people will die. <laughs> I think everyone in the show will die. 
like a fight at some point in their lives. I don't think any of them are immortal. How soon do they need to die for the for the leech to still get credit though? You can't have them like one of them die at the end of season six and then go, well, that's because she put a leech in the. While Stannis is still fighting for the throne, so. So if Stannis, like, dies or he becomes irrelevant or whatever, then it can't take any credit. But if it helps him progress towards the throne, then there's the chance the leech did it. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds a bit generous to me, but okay. Okay. I was going to say three episodes into the next season. <laughs> Speaking of our leeches, uh, we had... Uh, Theon Greyjoy, where uh, I, I guess uh, worse stuff could have happened to your penis than getting a leech put on it. Yep, I'd t- given the two options, I would take the leech. Yeah. I don't know if I got this storyline. What was the point of this storyline? Like, he, who even is this guy? He's like a Stark something Bannerman. I think he's in uh, Cahoots. With the uh, guy who who killed Rob Stark, I don't know what does this have to do with anything, man. Like Theon is so irrelevant, and this guy seems to be irrelevant. It was sort of interesting just to see a guy that was such a maniac, just to see a guy that was so evil and would mess with Theon in such absurd ways. But over a whole season, do I really need to see that much Theon torture? I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was a little unnecessary and not, like, didn't really move anything forward. Uh, and I, I thought, were we meant to feel sorry for Theon at any point? Because I definitely did not. Um, after what he did last season, uh, you, you know, we, we can talk about Jamie Lannister maybe being unlikable because he pushed a kid out a window uh, because he caught them him doing uh, sleeping with his sister but you know Theon like burnt a city to the ground he like just just burnt two kids just so he did it so he looked strong like not even because like that was really his only motivation you know I I just think there's no way I'm gonna like Theon the great joy and he's so douchey as well like it's just I'm never going to like Theon, but this was so rough. You know, I thought not even Theon necessarily deserved this. Yeah. I guess, you know, the thing was, it wasn't like I hated Theon so much I enjoyed seeing him tortured, but it wasn't like I liked Theon so much I had the investment, the emotional response where I didn't want to see him get tortured. I was just kind of in the middle where I'm like, I'm over seeing this. Yeah, that's fair enough. So are we over-talking about this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, we had uh, Sam kill a White Walker this season. Sam's kind of likable, if not all that interesting. I did like the line where Sam has said some things about the wall to the girl he's with. She's like, how do you know all that? And it's like, oh, I read these you know, books. She's like, oh, you know all of that from just... Looking at ink on a page, you're like a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, who was just the worst uh, member of the Night's Watch, everyone made fun of him, like, 
to her, he is the greatest thing. And I, I think that's quite yeah. that's quite nice. Yeah. Uh, and he kills a White Walker, which is pretty impressive. I um, didn't get that until the episode after. Mm. Because I thought, man, if that guy just, like, shredded the sword, how can you just pull out, like, a little dagger and then stab him in the back? Or oh, does the fact that he's not looking make a difference? But then it turned out it was that dragon stone or something. He stabbed him a little higher, which maybe be maybe like sort of like a zombie where there's particular parts you need to stab. But um, yeah, no, the dragon stone is a good explanation. Were you surprised by the lack of White Walker this season? Oh, most definitely. That was sort of the big climax to season two. What looked like tens of thousands of White Walkers storming the wall, and. We get a lot of shots just south and just north of the wall this season. We see maybe four White Walkers. Where are the rest of them? Do you think the fact that Sam could get uh, from the White Walkers to the wall in the like throughout the course of this season? Do you think that that um, speaks to the how slow? these white walkers are <laughs> yeah i don't know how good at navigating the white walkers are maybe they're just wandering around in circles they'll make it to the wall eventually but uh i would have backed them to be equal to if not faster than sam yeah they're sort of uh, uh in in a pay in a game of thrones sort of speed rankings they probably <laughs> rank somewhere Lower than Sam, but higher than Rob Stark. <laughs> who seemed to never get close to the Lannisters, <laughs> no matter how many battles he won. <laughs> Maybe we'll see an episode next season where we see what the White Walkers got up to in Season 3 of Game of Thrones. What have <laughs> they been doing? Spin-off. Yeah, the spin-off. <laughs> um, also north of the wall was Jon Snow. Um, what, what, what do we, what do you think about Jon Snow and the, uh, whole, uh, I guess, what are they? The wildlings, are they? The wildlings. Yes, the wildlings. Thank you. Yeah, Jon Snow is sort of an interesting character. Uh, I guess you want him to get back to his family. I mean, he's, he's not a Stark, <laughs> by name, but, you know, things aren't going so well for the Starks. You, you feel like they could uh, do with uh, meeting up with Jon Snow again. His relationship with the girl was sort of interesting. She was kind of cool, kind of that kick-ass, take-no-nonsense girl that was also pretty hot. I think the thing we learned about her this season was that she really likes oral sex. Yes! <laughs> um... <laughs> This seems to uh, occur when uh, they first sort of get together, and she brings it up another three, four times throughout the season. How did you learn how to do that? Oh, just you know, oh, you, you and that mouth of yours, Jon Snow. <laughs> I didn't think, when he went to do the oral sex, I thought it was a little bit weird. Um, but I was like, okay, whatever. Like, um, I guess when you're north of the wall goes south. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was not expecting her to then bring that up. Like, So, yeah, I was very surprised at how fresh she was. 
It's uh, like she in love. Yeah. Never heard of that before. Like, did Jon Snow invent oral sex? Because this seemed very <laughs> surprising to her. She'd never, never even heard of this. It would seem. Well, he did invent it in the sense of he didn't know what it was. Like he's like, I, I just, I just thought, it. I just thought, why not do that? Um, was was this uh was this that Jon Snow did not get the proper sex ed? Did he think that's what like did he uh not really know what these got this naked woman in front of him? Uh, what what do I do? Uh, maybe I put my face there. <laughs> If he did invent yeah. it, do you reckon that should be called Jon Snow? Like, do you reckon the <laughs> the, the kids, uh, the high school, the Game of Thrones fans, and we're like, oh, did you get any Jon Snow? <laughs> it's going to be the euphemism on the streets. Uh, snowing it up or something. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's... Yeah, great, yeah, great, great night out last night. Hashtag Jon Snow. Yeah. Uh, gonna be having a snow cone. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, um, or, or like, oh, did he get any? Oh, I only got a John Snow. <laughs> I should only let me get to John Snow. <laughs> so I guess that comes to this thing where obviously he was always never really part of the Wildlings and. She seems sort of upset with that, as if that was a betrayal, <laughs> even though he, yeah, I know, I guess we thought she sort of, sort of knew all along. I didn't think she was going to shoot him at the end. Uh, that was surprising. What was also surprising was how not effective arrows are. Like, she landed three out of three shots, and, you know, it seemed to hurt. It seemed to annoy Jon Snow. But he seemed to get away, like, pretty fine. Yeah, Arrow's not very effective because we also had the week before the wed- We also had the week before with the, the Red Wedding. Rob Stark got shot with, like, 50 arrows, and I thought he was dead then. But no, then the next scene gets up. He goes over with his wife. He then gets up. Caitlin starts going, run, run away! <laughs> um, and he needed to be stabbed to actually die. So, yeah, Arrows. I wouldn't, wouldn't, be, uh, wouldn't be relying on them if I'm in Game of Thrones. <laughs> I guess yeah. around that sort of wall area, we've got Bran boring oh. it up this season. The only interesting thing he did was that, what's he called, like a warg or something? Where well, he, he, can yeah, control. he can get animals' heads. I wanted to smack the face off of Bran's face when he was refusing to attempt to control the direwolves. Good lord, kid. Jon Snow is about to die. These people might come up here and find you. You have just controlled Odor, or whatever he's called, and the, the the bloody kid from Love Actually is saying, just try it. Just try and control the direwolves. And he's like, oh, I can't. I don't know how. Just try. Because if you don't, everyone will die. And if you do and it doesn't work, all that you have done is just maybe tensed your face. Like, that's that's the commitment level that you're risking trying to do this. The... Oh, I hope, like, I almost, I almost hope Bran dies because of how annoying that scene was. Yeah, well, he's going north of the wall. Uh, he, he's got a chance. Um, <laughs> I have been very critical in our last two Game of Thrones podcasts about uh, Bran's dreams. They're one of my least favorite things of the show. Um, I guess his dreams have been built into the mythology of the series with this whole war thing. Yeah, I didn't really want the dream to become more prominent. 
They haven't really, though, have they? I can't remember that many dreams. No, I guess... I... They no, talk. They like, talk about the kind of things he's seeing and can do, but we're we're probably getting less dream sequences. Yeah, fair enough. Oh. And uh, Rickon probably uh, he had quite a few lines. Some of the <laughs> last couple of episodes. So good on you, Rickon. But no, you're my brother. I want to stay with you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to those walnuts, buddy. <laughs> Hope Game of Thrones sends in an Emmy tape for our little Rickon star. Oh, he is not. He's. Uh, we got the ballots this week. He is not on the ballot. <laughs> they have not submitted a record. I think they only submitted three of the guys. Actually. Does does that delegitimize whoever wins this year's best supporting actor? <laughs> if only Rickon had been. Good. <laughs> he could. He could very well. Well, as it seemed like the show did every week. <laughs> Should we end by going across the narrow sea and seeing what Daenerys got up to this game? Daenerys, season one, very weak. Uh, sort of grows to sort of be the Khaleesi and gets these little dragons to pop out of dragon eggs. Season two, you're sort of waiting for the dragons to grow up. People sort of respect the fact that she's the mother of dragons, but not really the dragons themselves yet. Sort of comes into trouble. Season three, she's starting to become a bit of a force. Uh, she spends yeah. season three mostly collecting an army. Um, and she does a pretty good job of it, too. I said in that episode one commentary, she's killing this guy. This guy who <laughs> owns the slaves. He is pissing her off so much. <laughs> she is not going to let him, She is not leaving this town with him being alive. Yeah, everyone that has not respected Daenerys has ended up dead this season, yeah. so she has my respect. Yeah, yes. How do you feel about it? I think her big scene was when she takes over that city and takes all the slaves and does kill that guy. I thought you were going to say um, the scene where she takes her clothes off. That was the, oh, bi- the, the best bar. Daenerys scene this season. But we haven't seen Daenerys... Nude. Uh, we haven't seen that in a good uh, since season one. So yeah, uh, good job, guys. But I think that was her big scene, and we had the scene before that in the episode before that where she makes the trade with the guy, and the trade is I'll give you one of my dragons if you will give uh, if you'll give me all your soldiers, and he goes okay, um, the biggest dragon. She goes okay. Um, I feel like he was making a bit of a Rob Stark deal here. Too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. This deal. He was in the Rob Stark position here where he didn't really think it through. And I, at that moment, like, predicted, okay, uh, well, oh, and then, no, 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 then when she's walking out, you've got the translator. She asked the translator, oh, by the way, when I get the slaves right, they become mine. She goes, yeah. So they'll do whatever I say. <laughs> yeah. It's going, oh, so you just get the slaves. You then order them to, like, kill that guy. And then you get the dragon back. Yeah. Bam. Yeah, that you, you did see that coming. Um, I was a little surprised that all these people just sort of interested in the dragons, wish they could have the dragons, as to what makes them think that they would be able to control the dragons. Yeah. It's like that scene where her brother gets the golden crown put on him 
and it's like, he ain't no dragon. Uh, this new guy, the slave owner, he, when he gets the dragon, uh, dragon melts him. He ain't no dragon. Um, yeah. I don't know what these people are thinking. They need What these people need to do is, uh, at the very least, have watched How to Train Your Dragon. Yes, yes. Definitely. Um, so we've got, uh, so we have, uh, Jorah and, uh, his new friend, uh, this new guy. What's his name? New guy? The new recruit? I don't know. Other old guy, swordsman. We've got Jorah and the other old man. And there's a scene <laughs> where they're both on horses, sort of arguing, like, guys saying, hey, Jorah, uh, no one's gonna like you in Westeros. Maybe you should, uh, get off the team now. I did not like seeing these two men bicker. I do not want to see, like, grumpy old men storyline with my Easter uh, across the sea story. I think it was just supposed to be a bit of entertaining banter, but wasn't really that entertaining. Like, with with old swordsmen, I want to see them stabbing people, not tickling each other with little little jabs. Yeah. So that, that's going to be interesting to see if they sort of have a bit of power struggle for number two. In Daenerys's, they they seem to be both trying to play to get this hand of the king when they get to Westeros. Well, there could be another contender for that position, or maybe he's looking to become oh, the king. King, yes. The sort of younger, not really sure if he's good looking or not, but he's probably supposed to be new guy that brings the heads of those two sleazy guys that uh were planning on fighting Daenerys' army. Yes. Which is pretty useful because, you know, that sort of helps them get into the town and free all those people and get them on Daenerys' side. Yes. So he's proved helpful so far. Do you trust him, Matt? Do you trust him going forward? I do not. I There's my prediction. I do not trust this guy. Get away from him. And it's because he's like, he says a few sleazy things when he's in the bathroom with her. He's like, it's because you're so beautiful. I, I'd do anything for you. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, he's a little too sleazy to be a good guy at this show. I trust him. And I'll tell you, you why. trust him. I'll okay, tell you tell why. why you trust him. Grey Worm trusts him. And I, I like Grey Worm. I think Grey Worm, you know, the kings themselves, they can sort of get, you know, a little bit, Blind side, a bit one-track-minded. You know, Jorah might not just be trusting him because he's jealous, that sort of thing. Grey Worm. Grey Worm has no reason to to not be objective. I like him. I, I think he's a good character, so... I like you like, Grey Worm, all of a sudden, the master of perception. Yeah. They're like, if he was... If this guy's a bad guy, Grey Worm would be able to pick up on it. I just, feel, I just feel like that's, that's, the, that's the type of character Grey Worm is. He's been like a mindless sort of slave who hasn't been taught to have independent thoughts like his whole life. <laughs> like, he was, <laughs> he got chosen the leader out of like eight thousand of like these elite soldiers. Yeah, he's strong. a bad dude. He is a bad yeah, dude. They're, they're not smart though, necessarily. <laughs> they weren't trained in political savvy. I don't know. We'll see. I don't I, I don't think Grey Worm's gonna let me down. I feel like this was Daenerys' mistake of the game. She's putting... She, well, so far it's worked out well for him, but I don't know if she's going to walk away from this guy now. And I, I think he's... He could be her undoing. I think he... 
I don't sure if he'll kill her or she'll die because of it. Because I know I've talked a bit about people not. Is she going to be Daenerys's Talisa? I would actually be shocked if Daenerys died anytime soon. That would that would be the thing that would shock me, legitimately shock me on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but because I I know after the Red Wedding anything can happen. I don't think that can happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's a reason they're ending each episode on the Daenerys. Literally anything could happen, except this one thing just cannot happen. I don't think... I'm not saying that she'll never die in the series of the books, but no, she's getting the Westeros. If she doesn't get the Westeros, then, like, it means the storyline that they've been putting most of the emphasis on and everything. Like, even Rob's... I was sort of eating out of him a season or two before they killed him. Like... (laughs) They're not going to take out this uh, this saviour of the show. Like, I- I'm sorry. They're just not doing it. All right. So that seems to be most of the major characters. Um, uh, there's a lot going on in Game of Thrones. There's a lot to get through. Of the characters we've talked about, do we want to maybe pick who has played the best game this season? Yes. I think that's a good idea. An MVP for Game <laughs> of Thrones Season 3. Yeah. <laughs> I think last season we agreed that despite a bad result, Tyrion had probably played the best game. This season there are three names coming to mind. Okay, I've got two. You give me your three and I'll tell you which ones match up. We've mentioned two of them. One of them's a little bit of a wild card. I might go with that one first because the other two are a bit obvious. Littlefinger. Okay. We didn't get to see that much of Littlefinger this season. But he's just so damn sneaky. He's just he's just getting everything he wants. He was playing off against Joffrey. He basically gave up uh, his girl, his girlfriend, or at least his favorite prostitute, to be murdered by Joffrey, just so Joffrey can experience what it's like to kill someone with a bow and arrow uh, right. to get on his side. And he's a step ahead of some of the smartest people in King's Landing, like... Lord Varys, the eunuch, he found out that he was talking to that girl, and that's why he offered her up to uh, to Joffrey and ended up getting out of the Sansa relationship. Think, he's always just climbing. He said, oh, you know, you just want to get a ship, and then you want 12 ships, and then you want this. And, you know, my favorite thing of the season was the Chaos is a Pit speech. I thought that was some of the best writing on TV. I'm not it's sure if that's... It's a ladder, Jonathan. It's a ladder, not a... Yeah, chaos isn't a chaos is not a pit. It's a ladder. Nothing else is real. All that exists is the climb. I don't know if that's straight from the books, but if it isn't, I, I feel like that episode should be up for uh, writing at the Emmys this year. I love that. So they they just submitted the Red Wedding episode. Uh, a mistake, a mistake. But anyway, he's just so sneaky, and uh, I feel like he's just always just slowly chipping away. So I feel like he's playing a good game. Uh, the other two, uh, Daenerys, obviously, uh, dragons are growing up. She's got a huge army now. I think pretty much everything went well for her this season. You might not trust that guy, but she's greatly improved her position. And as we mentioned, we don't, I'm not sure what the end game is, but she's playing it well, Marjorie Terrell. Those are my three. Okay, I've got two, and one of them matches up with you. <laughs> um, okay, and my two are uh, Daenerys Targaryen. I think she just... Someone told me the other day, they go, is she really playing a good game or is she just getting lucky? 
mean, I, I don't think she's just getting lucky. Like, okay, she has dragons that helps her out, <laughs> but um, like that, and that deal, I guess, was somewhat obvious, but still, like, well played. And here's what I think is really great about her game: she is winning people over. Like, you know, people aren't just going to be able to buy those slaves off her now. They are loyal to her. She has made them not just obligated to fight for her, but wanting to fight for her. Mm. Like, and, and, like That's real political skill and leadership skills on display here. Uh, like, it's just, she's doing a really, really good job. So I, I think she's played a great game. I'm a bit worried about now her trusting this guy, her freeing cities for the sake of it could get in the way, it could be creating hurdles for herself. But um, I, I think she's going really strong. My comments on Marjorie and Littlefinger is I think Marjorie wanted Sansa to marry Loras and Littlefinger wanted to marry Sansa uh, and they both got outplayed in that regard. They both uh, they both didn't get that. Uh, they both weren't able to keep that secret and, and to finagle that sort of deal, uh, whereas the person who was able to pull all the strings was Tywin Lannister, who was able to get his uh, his Sansa married the person he wanted? He was to sort of navigate his way through the King's Landing stuff, and he was sort of uh, was able to help with others make that deal uh, to give uh, um, the, the confidence for the Red Wedding to take place. So, I would say my two would be Daenerys and Tywin. What happened to Loras? Like he just went off on a ship. Where where did he go? Why did that happen? I didn't get that. I, I guess, well, you're not married. I don't know, because he's meant to be wearing... I've got no idea. I actually thought Littlefinger might have something to do with that, because it was we, we saw Sansa crying and the ship going away during the, the Chaos is a Ladder speech. So I actually thought that might have been Littlefinger's doing. Mm, yes. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. So who we go with Jonathan? It seems like Daenerys is the the player to watch. If anyone is going to be taking over the throne anytime soon, it's got to be Daenerys. When you end the season, I guess, with literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people calling you their mother, and probably people who would walk into fire for that person, <laughs> uh, you're probably playing a good game. Especially when you started, like... Um, the season with like one ship with like you know maybe a couple hundred people or, <laughs> or a yeah. thousand people so she's definitely done well uh and oh, oh by the way we talk a lot about all the titles she gives herself uh mother of dragon khaleesi uh daenerys targaryen stormborn blood of old valyria all these things she throws her around uh we got a new title for daenerys this season was it breaker of chains <laughs> You're a breaker of chains, her call herself at some point. So just just increasing her letterhead. I guess well. as well as, as Misa or Mother. Mm, yes. Yes. So there you go. Just uh, the biggest letterhead on Game of Thrones. <laughs> so should we give this season a verdict? All right. Season three of Game of Thrones. It seems each season of Game of Thrones, I have to be saying to people... Game of Thrones is a bit of a slow burn. It's not like the epi- early episodes are bad, but it's just kind of building, you know, it's setting things up, plotting away. 
in season one it did that, and then you got some really great moments in around, I'd say, the last four episodes. Season two, it built to something pretty good, I think, in the second last episode, Blackwater episode, the huge battle, but I guess I wasn't as satisfied with the ending. That's why my score was, was slightly lower for season two. Same thing went on with season three. You got the Red Wedding, which was shocking. It was big, but I just didn't really care. It just didn't have that much of an emotional impact. Like, there was a shocking death in an episode of Boardwalk Empire, and I nearly cried. I was that invested in the show. In terms of how surprising it was, this was perhaps an even more surprising event, but I had no emotional investment in the show. So, beyond that, I don't know if it built to anything. Like, I don't... People said, oh, I was a bit worried about this only being half a book because I thought, oh, no, we're not going to get, you know, I'm gonna, it's going to feel unfinished. And everyone's like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, there's a good sort of, like, midpoint to the, to the book. It, it makes sense to break it into two. Not really. It, it did feel unfinished. It felt like half a season to me. I was pretty disappointed, to be honest, in the last episode of Game of Thrones. So, I don't know. I enjoy watching it. It's well made. It's well written. There's good characters. There's some good moments. But... For such a plot-based show, because it's not really like a character study like Sopranos and Mad Men or anything. It is a plot-based show. And for a plot-based show, there just wasn't enough interesting plot events for me this season. So I'm going to give season three of Game of Thrones a 7.5 out of 10. Whoa. I thought this is perhaps Game of Thrones' best season. <laughs> I think it. Had, I, th- I think the Red Wedding was great. I could not... After seeing Caitlin Stark's throat slip, I was just sitting there shocked at what I had just seen for the whole end credits. I think Jamie losing his hand was interesting. I think that like really good character development on him. Daenerys, like just I think she got a little weaker towards the end of the season, but just her taking over that city was what a great moment. Her speech to the slaves about being free. You know, I, I think it was just a real and all the King's Landings all the politicking going there, the little finger chaos. I think it was just so much great stuff. And I wasn't bored much watching the season. Uh, so I think it was pretty good. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Whoa. We've normally been in agreement on Game of Thrones. I think we've given it the same score very close to this guy. I guess season three, a little bit divisive for screen verdict. Mm, very much so. So should we quickly delve into housekeeping? We've got some international housekeeping for the Screen Verdict listeners. You're in America still. Yeah, I've just got a quick little story from my travels in America. I uh, went to see a movie the other day. I just thought that may be a fun thing to do because they have movies in America as well. And I just picked the nearest cinema, just picked uh, a random time uh, to go see This Is The End, the comedy with... Seth Rogen, James Franco, those guys. And uh, I sit down and the movie's about to start. And I hear this loud voice on a microphone. I was like, oh, does this place, you know, does, do they have someone announce announce the movie uh, on a microphone? Uh, I look down the front and it's Seth Rogen and Evan no. Goldberg. Is that his no name? No way. And they were like, we apologize for what you're about to see. Some of you are probably too young to see the nonsense is about to be displayed. We legally have to go around to all the cinemas and apologize for this movie, but we, we hope you like it. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, I just saw Seth Rogen. 
And it was just a regular session of the movie. It wasn't like a special premiere. Yeah, I it wasn't like I had no idea. I just thought it was a, a random uh, time screening, and uh, there you go. That's what happens when you're like, there's just celebrities everywhere, Matt. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, it's great. Um, okay, so um, we also thought last week that um, obviously everyone who listens to the podcast loves my governor impression. <laughs> they love. They can't wait for the next Walking Dead podcast to more of my governor impression. But Jonathan isn't the biggest fan. You don't <laughs> love it, do you, John? I think it's a great impression of someone, just not the governor. Okay. Uh, but there's other work I did for Gold Derby. I spoke to David Morrissey, who plays the governor, and I gave him a listen of my accent uh, of the governor, my governor impression, so he could decide and give a verdict <laughs> what he thinks of the impression. Okay. I'm uh, very much yeah. looking forward to this. I'm in- extremely intrigued. Really, you put all the legwork in so that when you get to set, you're as free as possible. The last thing you want to be thinking about when you're on set, you're acting as your accent. You just want to be thinking about your emotions and how you're communicating with people. You don't want to be thinking about your accent. So you do all that work at home, really. And when you arrive at set, you're just doing what you're doing. Yeah, mm. David, um, I've, I watched all of, uh, I've watched all of Walking Dead. I watched all of season three. And um, I, I think I can do a pretty good governor accent if you don't mind indulging me. And it's like, see, see what you think. You okay with that? Let's hear it. Oh, let's, let's, let's give it a go. Crank, crank up the vocal cords. Welcome, welcome to the town of Woodbury. We're going to, uh, in, in this town, we need to be safe and we need to protect ourselves from the people out there. And in this life, you kill. Or you die, or you die and you kill. What, what do you think, David? Yeah, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, yeah, I think uh, I think probably minus one. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, David? <laughs> Was I first maybe first? something to do with maybe something to do with the electronics and the PCs? Yes. Or the delay or. Whatever. Minus one. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, David. Um, maybe I was focusing too much on the accent. Maybe yes, I think. Yes. Going to inhabit the character more, I think. You need a patch. Yes. <laughs> yes. After okay. all the talk, ever, Matt constantly saying, oh, Jonathan, people love the accent. Screen Vertigo fans always commenting on the accent. And me, oh, I, was, I was starting to doubt my own hatred for your governor impression, Matt. <laughs> but to hear it from the governor himself is, uh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. if you, you, are you, everyone listening to this, check out the video as well. Cause his facial expression before he even <laughs> gives the score is priceless. It is. <laughs> we'll post the, we'll post the video on the Facebook page. So people can watch it on the Facebook page. But yeah, um, okay, okay. Um, I don't know what he's talking about though. Like he doesn't know what it sounds like. He only knows it sounds like in his head. <laughs> and, and it sounded like he was doing an awful governor accent himself in that interview. <laughs> I think that was just him. Well, he didn't sound anything like the governor. Like <laughs> uh, I still could do it. Like, I <laughs> yeah, that will that will not deter you. Yeah. From pulling out the governor accent for our season four review. 
Uh, anyway, um, I think that's a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wrap on Game of Thrones. I guess we'll be tuning in to Season 4 or Part 2 of Book 3. We'll definitely be reviewing that. And I uh, uh, hope you like that sneaky little uh, governor's governor review uh, at the end there. Yeah. Okay. Have a good one, guys. And uh, be careful if you go to any weddings. <laughs> Goodbye.